Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along. Return after a two-week hiatus. Welcome back to the States. Welcome back to the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Seth, you left me out on a little bit of an island. So for the last couple of weeks, we've had the half-hour show for the half of the half of the group that is here. The boys are back in town. We're both here finally for the first time in it must be three weeks now. I'm glad. I'm glad you missed me so much. I was wondering why you were playing. You were playing like your best of seventies. 70s guitar rock from like the Time Life era <laughs> infomercials. Um, yes. Wait a second. Wait a Italy. second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold. Hold on. Hold on. You think that's bad? This is what I got queued up next. Together at last. Together forever. We're tying a knot. They never can sever. I don't need sunshine now to turn my skies to blue. What the hell is this? I don't this? need anything but you. You've wrapped me around. Wow, you really don't know Annie, do you? Nope. Saw the movie like oh. 25 years ago. And, and really have the minimus memories of it, to say the least. Although I'm quite impressed that you're quoting that you just please say something from a Broadway show. Although I'm assuming yeah, that would be well, this was from the movie. It was from the movie. It absolutely was from the movie. But anyway, so you come back a couple of days back. You see the uh, two championship winners, both the Golden State Warriors last night, take, taking out the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Penguins taking out the Predators. Were you able to catch either or both of those games? I did. I saw... Uh, some of game six between Nashville and Pittsburgh, I was watching actually the U.S.-Mexico um, World Cup qualifying match. So, and it's hard enough to watch one with with a wife companion. We're not hearing anything you're saying, bud. Not sure why. We uh, heard. I'm not on speaker. We, you can't hear me? We heard at- I can hear you now. We heard absolutely none of that. Okay. We heard the wife and then trailed off, which is generally the case 
when you start talking about the wife anyway and you're watching sports. Fair enough. The wife okay, and then trailing said, off. What I said was that I watched the end of game six between Nashville and Pittsburgh because I was watching the U.S.-Mexico World Cup qualifier, which, which was playing simultaneously. And what I said was my wife has enough issues with me watching one sporting event, let alone two jumping back and forth. So I got to watch the last 12 minutes after the soccer game ended, and she fell asleep. Now, that wasn't a qualifier, was it? That was, the, that was a friendly, right? No, that was a qualifier. Oh, okay. I thought that was a friendly. Okay. Because then I was going to, I was actually going to talk to you about how you watch a friendly match over what effectively is the championship game. But you have nullified that argument wholeheartedly. So. Thank you. Were you impressed? Were you impressed by the hockey? Because I, I, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, I made my, I made my predictions. I said that I would be surprised if Golden State lost a game and they lost one. You were right. You did say that they would win one. Uh, I said that last week. And I thought that the hockey would go seven games and ultimately it wound up just at six. The hockey is tremendous. I mean, every part of that series was a tremendous series. I didn't get to see too much of the hockey simply because I was in Italy for most of the series, which I'm certainly not crying over. Um, Out of what I saw, it looked like a fantastic series. And out of what I could follow, Nashville, especially without uh, Ryan Johansson, who was out for the entire series, really acquitted themselves quite well. Very well could have won the series in six. Um, Instead, Pittsburgh wins, was it their third in five years, third in six years? Um, you know, kind of the goal that won it in Game Six was a little fluky. Uh, the ex Predator uh, shooting it off of uh, Peck Arena's back and in with about a minute and change to go. Um, yeah, the NBA was as much fun as yesterday's game was, and uh, a couple, the, uh, the the ridiculousness of, I guess, Friday night's first half by Cleveland. These playoffs stunk. It just you have two teams which are so far above and beyond everybody else. It's just, you know, we, we predicted this on our radio show July 4th of last, July 5th of last year. Actually, it was July 4th because that's when he announced it because we were, I was, we were at barbecue, respective barbecues. Um, we said that's the series. There is, it's, there is no question that these are the two teams that will be back. And everything else leading up to it was just filler. And that's exactly what it was. Um, and this series, Golden State is a fantastic team. Like them, dislike them. You know, they're extraordinarily talented, and they were able to take take advantage of a loophole and bring in Durant. And you know, you now have a team for the next two years with four bona fide All Stars and probably four of the top fifteen to twenty players in the league. Best of luck to, to oh, Cleveland in their uh, response. Well, let's clarify. It wasn't really a loophole. Okay, they didn't, there, there was no loophole here. It was the fact that it was a one, they year, were able one year, to, It was a one-year salary cap anomaly. Agreed. But everybody had the same anomaly, and they were able to take advantage of the fact that one of their players had signed an under-market deal, being Stephen Curry, 
And that is the only reason that they were able to sign Kevin Durant is because Curry was on an under-market deal. And he will be well compensated this summer to the tune of $40 million a year, which is mind-boggling. But, and a lot of it, Seth, is going to come down to how much of a threshold the Golden State Warriors ownership has in incurring luxury tax payments. Agreed. Because it's going to be the same story that LeBron had with Miami. The reason LeBron, well, one of the reasons that LeBron James is no longer in Miami is that Mickey Aronson said, I would rather have $10 million than keep Mike Miller for 40 games. Mike Miller was earning $6 million. With the tax, it would have been 10. And he said no. And LeBron said, well, you told me you'd pay for championships. We need Mike Miller to, to be a championship team. Now, unfortunately, the Heat then lost Dwayne Wade. They lost Chris Bosh to an, to an illness. But a lot of it had to stem from the fact that Mickey Aronson and the Miami Heat organization was not willing to spend. Now, I'm not saying they weren't willing to spend for a championship, but they weren't willing to spend above and beyond to keep that championship team. You look at Golden State, they are at the cap right now. They're at the tax. And they have multiple free agents after this year. Andre Iguodala is a free agent. Uh, Sean Livingston is a free agent. Obviously, Stephen Curry is a free agent. So you're going to be heavy, heavy, $45 million, $50 million into the tax if they re-sign him next year. All of them. And again, like any other sport, you are dealing with injuries. You are dealing with age. Andre Iguodala is no young pup. So I understand you have the four top four of the top 50 players in the league, maybe four of the top 30 players in the league probably. But without a bench, you don't win in the NBA. So unless you have, well, I guess unless you have LeBron James or Kevin Durant. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that argument is great and nice. And Iguodala is a heck of a player, is is a hell of a role player. Sean Livingston is, is a very, very solid backup point guard who I think everyone is happy for considering the amount of injuries he went through throughout his career. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking at a team that, yes, their bench is going to be weakened, although McCall looked really good in some spotted time last night. And they have a couple, you know, either Pachulia or McGee is, seems to be okay as, as, a, uh, as a backup center. Um, but, you know, you, when you have four all-stars, you know, in two top five players in the world, potentially, if you, if you see Curry at that level, which is certainly a, a reasonable decision, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how relevant the bench is going to be. Okay. I, I, look, I, nobody – I shook my head watching the Golden State Warriors in this – playoff series. I'm sure I'm not the only one. There was no, 
unlike last year when you had Harrison Barnes who couldn't shoot the, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, there was no weakness on this team. I mean, the weakness, if there was one, was Pachulia, who continued to make stupid foul after stupid foul after stupid foul. But other than that, the range that this team has, it was like the way I described it to my friend last night was this is NBA Jam. This is what we thought NBA Jam was going to be like on the court. It's fast break, no defense. How many times can I dunk the ball? Or how many times can I shoot a three-pointer? The term on fire was Cleveland on Friday night and then Golden State last night. I mean, you could have just utilized the term on fire throughout this entire series because somebody always was. And do do you think that that is... Do you think that's because of a lack of defense? Because I don't. I think the defense is very good. I think the offensive talent that you had in this series was extraordinary. I mean, let's, you have seven All-Stars. You have J.R. Smith, who shot seven for eight from three-point land last night, including two, to quote you know, NBA Jam, two from like 30 feet away. It almost, it almost felt like double dribble where they would find that spot on the floor no matter where it was and they would just go in. Um, you have Curry, who is an unbelievable passer. You have Draymond, a very good passer. LeBron averaged a triple-double. Defenses are not built to stop like the quickness of Kyrie or, or, or the speed with how Curry plays, or, or the physicality of a James, or the overall brilliance of a Durant. They're just not built for it. it it's not that these teams didn't have the defense to stop them. Nobody, no, no team had the defense to stop them. I mean, Golden State was, what, in, in a year where they were assimilating Durant into the team, which is not the world's most difficult thing, admittedly. They, I, I think the word is cruised to, a 60, to 66 wins. Cleveland had injuries every, pretty much throughout the year. When they got healthy, they swept three playoff series. You know, the, the, the sad part is, although it was a wonderful year when you see you know, Harden and Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard, I don't see competition for these teams right now. I just don't see it. Now, Cleveland may make a, you know, they may try and trade for, we've heard already, for Paul George or for whoever, for Butler or whoever it is. And there is a, a, a funny kind of irony to the point where, you know, you think of the New York Yankees and the L.A. Dodgers and the Red Sox spending all this money, all this money, all this money, and now you're looking at Golden State and Cleveland kind of doing the same to, to kind of gather all, accumulate all this talent. It is kind of funny to see Cleveland, like Cleveland, the ultimate mid, you know, mid-size, mid-major, mostly mid-major, but certainly not one of the larger professional cities uh, doing this. But yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's not, there, not only is there no competition, there is nothing even in the realm right now for either of these two teams. Short well, of injury. I, don't I think, it. I think you're, I think you're going to see 
the Celtics take a major step forward next year. And I mean, remember, they were the one seed, not the, not the Cavaliers. Now, yeah. I understand that's the regular season. I get it. Okay? I do. But I think if you add a Fultz and you add, let's say they get Gordon Hayward or Jimmy Butler. Well, Jimmy Butler would cost probably the number one pick or maybe next year's number one pick. But let's say they get Gordon Hayward. That doesn't cost them anything in talent. You don't think that that type of talent matches up with the the Cavaliers and could give them a – I mean, they gave them a run this year. Not a tremendous no, run, but you're adding – Yeah, they didn't no, give them a run at all. No, I meant in the regular season. So now you're adding, you're adding a top 25 player, right? Gordon Hayward, top 25 player. We can probably say that, right? Probably would have made the fourth NBA – all-NBA team. Probably, if he ends up there, number one, okay. which, is certainly, which is no certainty. And, yeah, they probably right. draft Markel Fultz. Yes. Who is, you know, who is either going to be the replacement for Avery Bradley or for Isaiah Thomas, who, of course, was phenomenal this year. But let's – Yeah, but that won't, be, that won't be next year. That'll be the year after. Year after. Well, let's look at this. Okay, yep. so let's say they, that Boston does this. They pick up Hayward, which is certainly not anything – certainly not a certainty by any stretch. And they nope. get Fultz. Yep. Who has the three best teams, the three best players in the in – the, in the, uh, who has the three best players in that, in, that, in, that, in that series? It's still Cleveland. But um... – they definitely have the two best players. I, I, I don't. And I would still take. I'd still take Love over Hayward. Oh no, I was thinking over, Love over Horford. Over Thomas. I would oh, take I Love over Horford. Horford. See, I would but, take Love over Horford. Okay. Okay, I think. Well, either way, so you have the three best players, and you have. So you have one through three, and then probably nine through twelve. And when you get to four through nine, you have all Celtics in that list. And you're right. Look, LeBron is always going to be LeBron. Well, at least until he declines. And he is the best player. Uh, I loved how Paul Pierce was so adamant that Kevin Durant is the best player in basketball. And I wanted to ask you that. He was adamant that Pierce was the best uh, that Durant was the best player in basketball. I think he played like the best player in basketball, but I think he also had a whole lot more help than LeBron James did. And you and I have talked about this um, in the comparison. ESPN did an excellent comparison of all the top teams, all the teams that LeBron has played in the finals. They ranked all the NBA finals teams, one through whatever, 147 or whatever it is. And Jordan, Michael Jordan, played against the average of the 35th best team in that, um, in that list. While LeBron has played the average of somewhere in the 12th best team. And he's played two of the top three teams, being all Golden State. So LeBron just doesn't have enough help. So are you with 
Mr. Pierce? Are you not with Mr. Pierce? Do you think Durant has supplanted LeBron as the best player in the NBA right now? No. No. And even if he had, there'd be no way to tell. Because, as you said, you know, when you're playing with three of the top 15 to 20 players in the league, it's very hard to distinguish yourself that much to make yourself that at that point. Um, LeBron is still LeBron. He's not the scorer or the shooter that Durant was. Durant is, obviously. He's not the passer of a Stephen Curry. No, or Stephen Curry, excuse me. You know, he, is, he is unlike anything we've ever seen. He just is. And like him, I'll give you no, or like... Yeah. Shoot. No, my, my follow-up was you have consistently, and we've had this argument, consistently said that Jordan I have no is a better player than LeBron. Yes. And, and, and I'm okay with that because that's an argument to make. Do you think LeBron has actually added to that argument benefited him because he left Miami? He regained a lot of his goodwill coming back to Cleveland. And, I mean, the ironic part was, you know, that's, he came, he also came to a much better team, leaving Miami, coming to Cleveland. Because, I mean, Cleveland had to get at least one of these number one overall picks, right? Now, they didn't make it with Anthony Bennett. They got it with Kyrie, and then they traded Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love, which I'm not sure if, in retrospect, they would have done or not done. But he regained so much goodwill coming back to Cleveland and winning, you know. And look, he, him and Kyrie carried that team to a title last year. There's no question about it people look at him with a much more positive spin, whether... So, yeah, he, he's regained an enormous amount of his goodwill, in my mind. No, I'm not talking goodwill. I mean, what I'm saying is, in the argument of Jordan versus LeBron, Michael versus LeBron, do you think he has enhanced the argument in his positive, in his, to his benefit, in the fact that he left Miami? Because... Oh, yeah. Your take when, when he left for Miami was you can't go to a team with the top three players in the NBA. Okay, I'm with you. I understand it, which is what Durant basically did. Can yeah. you, by leaving that situation, do you enhance your argument rather than detract from it? But, well, I disagree. He didn't leave that situation by going to Cleveland, by going returning to Cleveland, he did, he he enhanced his argument because he's been sensational in Cleveland. But he didn't enhance it by leaving Miami to go back to Cleveland in regards to leaving better players. He didn't leave better players in Miami. Cleveland had more talent by that point. Okay, that's fair. And so you given look at the Miami, situation look, at this point. Given the situation at this point, I think you're right with regards to the Kevin Love situ- Kevin Love deal because they would be much better off against the Golden State with Andrew Wiggins right now than they would be a Kevin Love. I would think so. Wiggins, although 
you know, has not lived up, materialized as the number one, he's not lived up to the billing of a number one overall pick, is extraordinarily athletic and a good scorer and could help on the perimeter with some, with some of these players, with, with a Clay, with, with, with a Kevin. Because, again, I'm only comparing it to Golden State because to compare it to anybody else doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. It just doesn't. You and know, the, of course, you has know the amazing thing you just said? The amazing thing you just said was Andrew Wiggins has not lived up to the number one pick. What is the number one pick anymore? It's not Patrick Ewing. It's not the dominating player. When was the last number one dominating player? Was it LeBron? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I'd say Dwight Howard probably would okay. be considered dom- a dominant player at one point. But that's also incredibly unfair because nobody stays in college more than a year. No, no, no. That, I understand that. I'm comparing it to – I'm utilizing the statement that you said, that he hasn't lived up to a number one pick. And it's not that I'm stating you're wrong. If you compare him to the Dwight Howards, if you compare him to the LeBron James, if you compare him to Pat, even Patrick Ewing, who I know – you and I have disagreements on, and you go back to the, to the number one picks from the 80s and the Akeem Olajuwon, et cetera, you can say, yeah, he hasn't lived up to a, when we were growing up, the number one picks. But the number one picks recently, say the last 15 years, since the one and done started, Andrew Wiggins is one of the top probably five number one picks. Well, I mean, you want to say since LeBron? Yeah, let's let's go since since LeBron because I think think it's an interesting comment because when you said he hasn't lived up to a number one pick, we got Marcus Fultz coming out, right? Marcus Fultz. Mark Fultz. Fultz. You're not looking at – when you say Markel Fultz, you don't look at a LeBron – you're not seeing LeBron. You're not seeing a franchise player. You're talking about a guy that's going to take over for Avery Bradley or Isaiah Thomas. If he was a LeBron, okay. he would be – he'd already be in the starting lineup. He's not taking okay, over so, for them when they leave. Right, so, he'd be pushing so them out go, the door. So let's go through this because I actually sure. tend to disagree with you. I, I just pulled up the list here. Okay, okay. we'll start with the year, year before – We'll start with LeBron in 2003, and you have Yao Ming in 2002, who was a dominant player. Wow, great. So, okay. 2004 is LeBron is, yep. is Dwight Howard. Okay. Agreed. Dominant. Yeah. Yeah. 2005 is Andrew Bogut. Serviceable, certainly not dominant. Correct. 2006. Andrea Andrea Bargani Bargani soft yep. as cream cheese, not dominant. Yep. Nope. 2007, Greg Oden. I don't think he, nope. we need to discuss it any further. 2008, Derek Rose. Okay. Derek Rose for a short period was dominant. Absolutely. 2000, 2009, Blake Griffin. Hard to believe he's been in the yep. league that long. Dominant. Yep. 2010, John Wall. 
Yes. Now dominant. 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 2011, Kyrie Irving. Dominant. Okay. 2012, yep. New Orleans Hornets, Anthony Davis. Absolutely dominant. Yep. Then you have Anthony Bennett, waste. Yep. Andrew Wiggins was traded. Then you have Carl, last year was Carl Anthony Towns, or 2015 is Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. dominant. So the yep. first round picks, and then okay. last year was Ben Simmons, and he didn't play. So, so right. the, first, the number one overalls have done pretty well for themselves. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's actually, be- it's actually better than what I thought. When you go right before Yao, and I'm t- I-, I think I was going since the, since the one and dones, and I think the one and done started after Kwai- uh, Kwame Brown. Who was before Yao? Go five years before Yao. Kwame, Kwame Brown. Okay. So I'll and go who back, was before I'll go him? Back. Kenyon Martin. Not nice player. Okay. Good career. Not dominant. Right. Right. Before that, Elton Brand. Very good player. Not dominant. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. 20 and 10 to me. I, 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 I put him in the more dominant than less. So. Okay. Before that, Michael Olokambi. Olokambi. Okay, so so we're looking at 60 60 to 70% of those number ones are probably dominant players. Okay, look, I'm surprised. And, yes, Andrew Wiggins is not there. (laughs) No question. He's not dominant. He's how? He's what, 2021 at this point? Yeah. So he's still got time. Born in, but he's born in, he's born in February of 1995, so he's oh. 22 years old. Yeah, he's my, he was born on my brother's birthday. So I'll take your word for it. Okay. So it's true. So um, okay. Well, you're right then. Wiggins is has not lived up to the number one. See, I was wrong. Seth was right. This does happen, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway. I, I, I kind of wish, wish I had the, I kind of wish I had the, uh, the uh, what do you call, some some sound effect to go with that. That I was wrong, I was right, and you were wrong, but I don't. So if anyone wants to call and make fun of Sean for being wrong for a very rare occasion, please call. Feel free at seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six. Speaking of dominance, over the last fifteen, over, I guess even in your lifetime. Have you ever seen someone as singularly dominant at a single thing as Rafael Nadal is at the French Open? I believe his career record is you know, 59 and 2. The best part about you saying in my lifetime is it's only 48 hours younger than your lifetime. So we're about the same. That is true. But <laughs> no. And the answer to your question is no. Um, it, it's funny. He's that guy that when you played on a video game, right, you played in a specific, like, arena, if you were playing Double Dragon or something like that, and you knew that that guy was special in that, you know, on that board, so you always had to have him on that board, that's Rafael Nadal on clay. Yeah, I, I, singular. Has the, Olymp- the Olympics has never been on clay, correct? I, I honestly don't. That I don't know. Okay. I just don't. Well, but boy, would he I believe like it they've been most, Yeah. Well, he also has. He, look, he has a gold. He has a bronze. 
He actually has two goals yeah. and a bronze, so he he's doing okay. Um, but I mean, just it, you can't you, you you just laugh. I mean, he has won, I believe, his career record at the French Open. Excuse me, is seventy nine and two. Think about that. Seventy nine and two. <clears throat> He lost them. Yeah, I'm actually looking what his once to, to Robin Soderling, which I remember. Yeah, on and, and then Robin so Soderling really played again because he got injured. Yeah, on clay, he's won 85 percent of all service games. They don't have like total stats, which is what I was looking for. But yeah, it's insane his record on clay. Yeah, I mean, look, he's that guy, right? He's that guy you want. He's that guy you, you want to play with on, on whatever tennis game is out there now. But but he can't go down as one of the greats, can he? Of course he can. He's won. Why? He's won 15. Oh, I, I, this is easy. Because he's won well, the career Grand Slam almost twice over. He's won two Wimbledon. He's won two U.S. Open. Okay. He's won one Australian. He's, so he's not a one-trick pony. No, not at all. He's just he's just better at clay than just like Pete Sampras. Pete Sampras was amazing right. on grass, but he wasn't. You know, he won on Australia. He won at the U.S. Open. He just couldn't win the French because his game was just right. not suited for the French. Um, and the way he looked, which is so amazing. Is he looked for all intents and purposes better than ever this year? You know, he didn't lose a set, and he beat uh, Stan Stan Warinka. My goodness, six two, six three, six one. He didn't lose a set. The whole all the matches took I think combined like twelve hours. It was this was a route beyond belief. And there's so really I'm looking at. I'm looking at the rankings here in the tennis rankings, and I have to say this is the first time in probably five years I'm looking at this. I'm seeing okay. Andy Murray at, at, at number one. There's nobody in the top five under 30 years old. Okay, the first one that is under 30 is Milos Raonic, who I've never ever heard right. of. Yeah, he's uh, the, the Canadian. He made the, Wimbledon, he made the Wimbledon finals last year. So okay, and then you got Marin, Marin, Marin Chilik, and then Dominic yep. Thirin, and Kay Nishkori, Nishikori. and sure. Alexander Zarev. So, so six through ten are all under thirty, but one through five are all above thirty. Murray and, and uh, Djokovic both both being thirty. So my and Nadal's only thirty-one. Tennis. From what I recall, and granted, you're a far greater a tennis advocate than I ever am. Tennis is a young man man sport. Uh, Not recently. Well, that's going to be my next question. Is the talent down? Is the quality of play down? The quality of play isn't down. The depth is. And... You know, you, you brought up 
like every couple of years, these new people who are coming in, the idea is that they're going to quote unquote replace the big four or kind of make their way through it. And I mean, these names, Rionich has never broken, you know, it's, it's so insane that the number of like, all these guys, Joe Wolf and Zonga, who's been around forever, that's somewhere in the top 10 to 15. You know, Rich, Thomas Burdich, uh, Ty, Selich has a number, has a U.S. Open. Um, Rionich made a final. Dominic Thiem's brand is, is young. He's the young gun that's coming up, and he beat on a doll on clay before the tournament. And I think, I think he actually beat uh, Djokovic here. Um, you know, Dimitrov, all these Burdich, you know, Gael Monfils was supposed to be the big thing. Never, they all just team reach. And over the last 10 years, nobody has been able to vault really into the top five other than Stan Wawrinka. That's it. Who's so, the oldest? Of, well, aside from Federer, he's the oldest of them. He's 32. Yes, yes, but he has the least wear and tear. Um, you have to remember, Nadal is 31, but Nadal has been playing professionally for 14, for 13 years. Uh, Murray, you know, Warinka had a much more gradual, you know, up, you know, rise in the rankings, and. So he was 13 to 11 to 7. Then he won, won, then he won uh, the U.S. Open, I believe. Then he won Australia. And it, it was a much more gradual. Uh, so he, he didn't go as far in a lot of these tournaments. So he doesn't quite have all the wear and tear that all these guys have. That Murray and, and Federer, well, Federer is obviously a few years older. To even Djokovic, who apparently is taking a leave of absence for now. Because he hasn't won a, he hasn't won a Grand Slam in a year. And after winning four in a row, it just seems to be a bit burned out. But there really isn't much on the horizon in regards for people jumping into the top five. You know, I look at these, Silich and Rayonic just don't have the game to do it. Dominic team may. I don't know enough about him, to be honest. Nishapori is like a David Ferrer or going back like a Michael Chang, who's actually his coach. And... He just doesn't have the offensive game to do it. I don't know. Zverev is a new is a young gun. Zonda's been around forever. Dimitrov never reached his talent. You know, Monfils is now 30. He was the big thing 10 years ago. The reality is the amount of... The ability for this group of four to, for the last 10 years, be so separate from everyone else is, is my bet. I mean, if I went through the last probably 50 Grand Slams, I'm guessing who, I would say 45 of them. All of them, Murray, Nadal, Djokovic, etc. That's ridiculous. Well, I think that was my question, Seth. Is it the talent, or is it and I know what you're saying in the depth, but when you have the same five guys over and over and over again, and they get older, and granted, they're not 35. They're, the oldest one is Waranka at 32. They do get older. So the quality of the play probably slips a little bit as we get older. And is the talent just not there anymore? So you can have an Nadal as long as he is decreasing, he is wearing 
at the same level or speed as, say, a Murray or Djokovic or Federer, that he can continue to, to uh, dominate the clay because his skills are eroding. That's the word I was looking for. Eroding at the same pace that the other guys are. I don't know, because every time you, you, you count one of these guys out, you know, Federer was on his last legs a couple of years ago. The doll took, for all intents sure. and purposes, a year off. And then they come back, and they're, they're just refreshed. So while, they, so while those two were down, Maria Djokovic jumped, you know, and were the number one and number two with really nobody else in sight. So because of that, they've been able to kind of maintain this, this constant flow on top. So we've talked about the men. The women I've heard absolutely nothing about. Zero. Well, no, I I know. uh, Look, I think Serena is having one of the best commercials I've seen in a very long time. If you've seen the ping pong match with, with Stephen Curry, it's amazing. I highly suggest it. It's for Chase. Where, uh, have you seen the commercial that I'm talking about? I have not. So basically, I will, Stephen you know, Curry. I will, look, I, will look need, it up. I will look it up shortly. Stephen Curry needs to wait in a waiting room, and he goes in there and starts playing ping pong, hitting a ping pong racket. Turns around and sees Serena Williams and says, "Do you play?" And of course, Serena Williams <laughs> plays table tennis because she plays everything else. So other than that, you haven't seen Serena on the court because she's pregnant. I know Venus played, but I don't remember where she wound up. And other than that, I know nobody. Well, let's, let's just we'll just take a quick look here. Um, Do you even know? Herbert wait, you're you're a tennis fan. Do you even know who won the French Open? Yeah, Ostinepo. Osta, she was unseated. Ostapenko. She's like a twenty-year-old. Um, and she beat Simona Halep, who was like the three seed going in and was up a set and three zip. It should have won it now. I did not watch the match, but I, I do know who won it. It was, it was just the most uneventful because, to be perfectly honest, without Kornikova, Angelique Kerber goes out in the first round without Serena Williams. You mean without Sharapova? Wait, you mean without Sharapova, without, not Kornikova? Without, yeah, I'm sorry, without Sharapova, without Williams, without okay. Angelique Kerber out, there are no names left. There, there just aren't. And this isn't, you know, a U.S. you know thing. There's just, I mean, who know? Number five in the world is is Alina Zvitolina. I know tennis. Like I've been following it for many, many years on a pretty hard basis. I have never heard of this woman before. You know, Carolina Pliskova, I've heard of because I think she she had a good she had a great year last year. But Dominica Sibyl, nobody knows who these people are. And they they other than Sharapova and Williams, nobody does any nobody has any real cachet in the U.S. And because of that, nobody really cares. In the U.S., they just don't. Okay. So, so you know, even even we, even we, knowing the, we, the the men's may be old, at least we know the names. So we care about men's tennis in the U.S. 
We don't care about women's tennis in the U.S. unless there's a woman that we know. And generally that happens around the Olympic time, which will be, uh, I believe, next year. My question to you is simple. Will you watch the three-on-three basketball in the Olympics? Yeah, I will. I might like <laughs> say I wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, I why will. will you watch it? Why will you watch it's it? fun. Because it'll be fun and interesting. And I, I, I do don't think know it the specifics. Do you think it, has any pl- you think it has any place in the Olympics? Of course not. But no, okay, no, well, not if the the Olympics is trying to draw a hipper crowd, and like like it's old school sports, and the, the, the ratings haven't been as great over the years. And you know that's why they went to the X, a lot of the X Games stuff with the Winter Olympics and the snowboarding and that you know and this and that. Huh? This is what this is why they bring in three and three basketball. Is it should it be here? No, it's absolutely ridiculous. Is it going to be fun to watch? Absolutely. Now I don't know. Now are, there, are they are they allowing pro players? Is it just amateur? Like I I don't know. Is it I don't know how it how I don't I don't know the specifics. So from from what I understand, anybody can play. It could be pros if they want to play. However, okay. all the pros that have been asked, including LeBron, has said I'm not playing. Like, it's not a sport for me. So, he actually said the best guy to play in a three-on-three would be Kyrie Irving from the Cavs, which if you've watched, if you watched any of the NBA Finals, you realize he may be the best one-on-one player in basketball off the dribble. Yeah. So, I could definitely understand that. But... I think it would be a pride thing for the NBA players not to play in the fact that you didn't get picked for the dream team or whatever team you want to call it. So I'm going to go play three on three. I think that you lose a little of the cachet there. You're playing for, for lack of a better term, like you said. You're not playing a sport. You're playing a game. Yep. Well, I, I think for players who are on the precipice and don't get in, let's just say, for instance, like a John Wall. I think in that place, that your pride would not allow you to do it. But for a kind of a mid-tier NBA player who doesn't, who would never otherwise have any chance, who would, who would sorry, who yep. would never, no, I understand, who would never have a who never have a chance otherwise, then, you know, for them it may make sense because this is as close as they're going to get. <sighs> Excuse me. Gesundheit. Yeah, I still got the damn cold. Um, but so that's how I would see it. But nobody, who, nobody who's in the okay. running to be on the Olympic, actual Olympic real basketball team. And it is, it's the real basketball is going to, is going to participate in this. If they don't make the first, I don't, if they don't make the team, I don't think I'd be shocked. Well, I think the three on three team from the United States. Hold on a second. There was actually a, a team that won that made it already. 
that is representing the United States. I'm trying to see who they were. There were a couple of college guys. Yeah, FIBA will tell us the players who participate in these three-on-three. In the above clip from the 2016, this is on the ringer.com. The above clip from the 2016 World Championship, Team USA's best player is Mike M-Y-K-E Henry, who played at Illinois and DePaul and averaged 3.5 points in the D-League last year. Oh, my. Okay. USA, USA. Well, yeah, I I don't think you're going to get the LeBron James and although it is kind of fun to think of this is basically NBA Jam with three players, right? Oh yeah. Like you're at the exactly arcade, you're at the arcade game, and you got you got to pick three out of the four, and who who you're pressing the jump button to to switch between Kyrie and Kevin Love to go with LeBron James. I'm just envisioning this as a game on the video. Well, nobody goes to arcade anymore, so. That, that was an interesting conversation I had with a couple of friends of mine yesterday over a beer. We were trying to think. We, we, knew ha- we have new interns at the IPC office, which I'm sure most companies now have interns, given that it's the summer. And these interns... I'm more confused. You went out for a beer? Hello? Did I get cut off, or did or did uh... okay? Well, apparently Sean got disconnected. I don't really know why, uh, but the idea of Sean actually going well, to beer is a little confusing. Oh, welcome back. Well, it seems like yeah, I got cut off. So we're, what we're what we're deciding was what we were talking about was our interns, as most summer interns. Were, are 20 to 21 years old. So they were born in 1997, so Just makes you feel a little old on the end. And what they don't, they've never dialed a rotary phone. They've never known a world without cell phones. They've never known a world without the Internet. They've also never known a world without NBA players in, they, don't, they weren't alive for the Dream Team. Let that sink in yeah. for a second. They were not alive for the Dream Team. Yeah, I mean Michael Jordan is a is a seeker is a sneaker salesman, not the greatest. Right. Well, player we talked. Well, we talked about that they didn't know John Madden actually was an announcer. He's just a video game or a coach. No, yeah. well, to us. Well, that's what we were saying. To our generation, he may never have been a coach, right? You and I are a little bit more on the up and up. But to the majority of the people that are 40 to 50 years old, John Mann was never a coach. He was a broadcaster. And to to people that are 50 and above, he was a coach. Then he became a broadcaster and now and then became a video game salesman. To people that are younger than us, he wasn't even a broadcaster to these interns. He's just a guy that makes a video game. 
that they have no idea who the guy is. Just a video game guy. It's the I'm 25th curious. anniversary you drank, set. You, you, you drank a beer? Uh, it was a cider, but same difference. Uh, it was the twenty. It's the twenty-fifth anniversary set of the book Jordan Rules. Yeah, by uh, Sam Smith. Sam Smith. Sam Smith. Where back then, twenty-five years ago, this was like major news, right? You, you waited for the book, and the book was like all the scandalous stuff that Michael Jordan did. He he was sick, or he was hungover, or he played cards, or he played golf and he bet on sports and blah 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 and now you see Tiger Woods and you weren't here when Tiger Woods was arrested and now you I see saw, Tiger I Woods and Tiger Woods it, it wasn't, wasn't too pretty no have you seen I, I was trying to figure out a quicker demise other than Aaron Hernandez of a player that was at that top of the game than, than Tiger Woods. No, but it's a very different because uh, Aaron Hernandez didn't have a decline. He just went and got arrested. Agreed. Um, I said, well, I, I understood that. I'm just saying that, that was the only comparison, not for the same reasons, but basically he's in our lives. Now he's completely out of our lives. Tiger Woods, a billionaire, a, with a B, and now completely out of our lives. Oh, because he hasn't played for the last five years, for the most part. Right, but because John Madden hasn't been... coached for 25 years, 35 years. Yes, but John Madden announced for 20 of them as an actual announcer. And yes, now he's best known as the, as the, the game guy. But uh, you know, he was him and Pat Summerall were were the preeminent announcers in their day. No, I get that. I'm just saying it's 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 very few and far between that a person falls as quickly as Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods hasn't won a tournament since 2009. It's been that long. It's been wow. eight years. Maybe that's a major, but either way. Yeah, I think it's amazing. 2009. I, I don't. It is hard to believe. 2009. I know you got to go, so uh, I, I thank you for coming aboard, at least for uh, the show. In two weeks, we have our NBA preview. Next week, Did we'll talk a little bit about the had... baseball. Hold on. Did you know what? he just he went he went into rehab today? Yes. Tiger Woods entered. Re... I didn't see this. I, I was entered rehab yeah. rehab for pill addiction. Jesus. Yeah. Well, how many addictions can a man have? Well, this is the third time he's in rehab. First time was for sex. Second time was for Vicodin. And this time is for some other pill. He must have the doctor Uh, on retainer. Well, he could certainly afford one. Like royal pains all over again. All right. I'll talk to you next. I have to get off everybody. So I will be back, I guess, for our draft preview next week. No, next week is just Two baseball. Weeks. The week after is draft ah. preview. We'll talk a little draft. Okay. All right, have a good week, buddy. Yep. All right, so we've got five more minutes, and this is where I've basically come down to is that I have ended the show the last three weeks, so I'll say it again. Five more minutes. 
Aaron Judge, a great talent. Let's not call him the greatest home run hitter of all time. (laughs) Rob Parker, who used to be on ESPN, has called him one of the five greatest sluggers of all time. The guy has not even had half a season. Yes, he has hit the crap out of the ball. 495 feet for one home run, 480 feet for another home run. Great talent. Six foot eight, towering figure. But at the same time, guys, let's leave it be. Enjoy it while you have it. So we're going to end at this point. This is Sean Palmer for Seth Kamen's Blog Talk Radio, backsportspage.com. Randy Zellia is doing a good job in getting it back up, so we should have that any day. And in two weeks, NBA preview, NBA draft preview, excuse me, NBA draft preview. And then in three weeks on July 4th starts the free agency, and that should just be a whole lot of fun. So we'll see you next week. For Seth Gamins, this has been Sean Palmer. Have a great week, everybody.